<laughs> Thank you. So this morning's scripture, um, as you know, we're working through in the Holy Spirit. So it's taken from John, and we're starting at the end of chapter 15 um, on verse 26, and then flowing on to chapter 16. So John chapter 15, verse 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Thanks, Coral. Good morning, church family. I'm glad Daryl introduced me because I was going to do that. It's lovely to be back with you and it's a real uh, real privilege to uh, share God's word with you this morning. I just want to say, Rosemary and I had a fabulous weekend with our family last weekend and I just want to say, make sure you spend time with your families, okay? Make, take that as a priority. You must have time with your family, your grandchildren. They're very important. Anyway, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and as I said, it's lovely to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Why don't we pray together and let's hear what God wants to say to our hearts. Father, thank you for our worship time and we continue to worship you as we meet you in the word now. Um, thanks so much that we can be here. Thanks for those who are watching online as well. Um, we just want to present ourselves to you, Lord, as uh, living sacrifices. Yeah, we want to be uh, open and receptive to all that you might say to us here this morning. Continue to lead us. Thank you that you do. Thank you that you're here amongst your people. Thank you that you love being among your people. And Lord, we just want to say we love you being here with us too. So meet us. Thank you that you will as we commit our time to you now. In Jesus' very precious and wonderful name. Amen. So as we continue um, this series on the Holy Spirit, 
Uh, you heard last week, because I actually watched the service later, <laughs> um, but you heard last week the Holy Spirit, he's not a force, he's not a thing or an influence, he's a person, he's a person. Indeed, he's the third person of the triune God. And this morning, I want us to consider the work of the Holy Spirit, what he does, what he has done, what he will do in a human life, and what he's doing in the world. And I think, as Pastor Darrell also said last week, uh, when I began to look into this message, I thought, oh, wow, Lord, where do you start with this? It's an absolutely enormous passage, an enormous topic, I should say, um, and uh, it's, it's a massive topic, but I want to say this, what a fantastic topic. What a fantastic topic that we find in the pages of God's written word, inspired and God-breathed by the very one that we want to talk about here today. Um, amen to that. In the Old Testament, right from the beginning of creation, we see the Holy Spirit at work. Look at these magnificent verses. I've got a whole heap of PowerPoint, so if you get bored, just turn your eyes off, you know, like, shut your eyes. Um, I just want you to see this, but look at this here. Um, Genesis 1, you, you know it well, but we can never get used to reading this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There he is, right at the beginning of creation. He's hovering over the waters. In this amazing description of the Holy Spirit, he's like a, a mother bird hovering over her brood. And, you know, if you can get that picture, and, uh, and, and here's this, the Holy Spirit in anticipation. He's watching, he's waiting uh, in anticipation to, uh, to action the word uh, that the creator God would speak. And then we read those magnificent words in verse 3, and God said... And God said. And then it was through the Son of God, the Holy Spirit of God moved in creative and majestic power over the whole of creation. And creation started to happen through the power of the Holy Spirit, spoken by the Father through the Son. I listen to, I mean, you find elements of, of, of creation throughout the whole of scriptures. But listen to how the psalmist describes this in Psalm 33, verse 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. There it is. <laughs> and how much more could be said about this magnificent creation account that we have in Genesis and in other parts of God's word. But we need to move on this morning. Lots to get through. Uh, but I want us to continue to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. So question, is there a difference then? Is there a difference between how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament and how he works in the New Testament? Uh, there is, actually. Indeed, there is. For example, firstly, before the Lord Jesus was glorified and before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was not poured out upon all people. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says about that very thing in John chapter 7 and verses 38 to 39. Jesus says this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, and then he quotes from Isaiah 58 and verse 11, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit 
whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that, po- up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So in the Old Testament, he was not given to all, but only to those that God chose and called for a specific purpose for a specific time. For example, as in the case of Bezalel. Bezalel, whom God chose for the construction of the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 31 and verse 3. God filled him with the spirit of God, the scripture says, equipping him with the skills, the abilities, the knowledge uh, for that work. And the same is, is for the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets who spoke God's word, who wrote God's word, as the Holy Spirit came upon them for that specific purpose. And the Apostle Peter He kind of explains this in his second epistle when he says this in 2 Peter 1 verse 21. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So in a a similar way it can be said about those in the book of Judges. Uh, For example, again, when God chose Othniel, We read in Judges chapter 3 and verse 10, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Okay, listen to that, it's important. Came upon him, so he became Israel's judge. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, so he became Israel's judge. Or in other words, Israel's deliverer from their enemies. And it was the same for Gideon, um, the same for Jephthah, and for Samson. We see all of that in the Scriptures And each one of these Old Testament figures, we see that the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. He did not come within, which we'll get into later on, but he came upon them for that specific role, for that specific purpose. He did not indwell them as he does for the believer in Christ today. More about that later on. You know, as I read this, one of the saddest verses that I found... Um, relating to Samson is in Judges 16.20 where it says this, but he, that's Samson, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. How tragic. He did not know that the Lord had left him. Hmm. And this brings us to another difference in how the Holy Spirit worked in the Old Testament compared to the New Testament or or the New Covenant. So the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was only given temporarily. So he came upon people for a specific time, specific purpose, for specific yeah, purposes and, and jobs and things that God wanted them to do. But he was also only given temporarily. And we know, as in the case of Samson, that he could be and was withdrawn from that person. Another example of this is Saul. In, in 1 Samuel 16, 14, and the scripture says, Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Again, isn't that a sad verse, isn't it? The Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. King David, he knew. He knew God could withdraw his, his Holy Spirit from him. 
And here's the difference, I think, between David and Saul. David so loved this relationship as he had with God, a man after God's own heart. He pleaded with God, don't do that, Lord. Don't take your spirit from me. Um, Particularly, we see in that prayer after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and was confronted by that, and then he writes this, this psalm of repentance. It's a magnificent psalm. And he says this in verse 11, Psalm 51, verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Because he knew that God could do that. He knew. God, don't do that. What a, what a passionate, it, it was for David, a passionate plea. And you know, though this psalm of David, and this is an interesting point, uh, though this psalm of David is a powerful, uh, it's a powerful, passionate prayer, you know, of repentance, pleading with God. And we need to read it. And I know lots of folks who do, and I do as well, and, and you'd be inspired by it. But we will nonetheless, you will not find a prayer in the New Testament using those words in verse 11 particularly. Do you get that? Why is that, you might ask? Well, that's because the work of the Holy Spirit, as we've already touched on, is different in the New Testament or different under the New Covenant to what he did under the Old Covenant. And Jesus says this, um, says it beautifully, of course. John 14, I'm going to use this passage a bit. Uh, probably one of the main texts that I'm going to use in this morning. John 14, 16 to 17 Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And I want to touch on more of those things in a minute from that passage. You see, the New Testament or the new covenant was established by the Lord Jesus when he shed his blood for us on the cross. And you remember the words that he spoke at the Last Supper when he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. That's what it cost to bring the new covenant in. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So the Holy Spirit under the new covenant, unlike the old, is poured out upon all people. That is, those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Read in a minute that he pours himself out upon all flesh. Not all flesh, only those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament prophet Joel, (coughs) pardon me, He said this would happen, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things. He said it would happen. And uh, quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18 on the day of Pentecost. Listen to these amazing words, beautiful words. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So there it is from Joel in the old covenant, now quoted by Peter under the new covenant. And as we've already seen in John chapter 14, uh, the Lord Jesus himself gave that promise 
to his followers. So no longer is the gift of the Holy Spirit reserved only for isolated or selected individuals or for a privileged race of people. But this precious gift of the Holy Spirit is for ordinary people like you and me who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Listen again to what Peter said in his address to the crowd in Acts chapter 2. And he also quotes from Joel again and also from Isaiah. Listen to how Peter says this to the crowd. Remember they said that they, 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 they were cut to the heart. What shall we do? And then Peter says this. Peter replied, repent. There it is. Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. You see, not only is the Holy Spirit under the new covenant available for all people, but when he comes to that believer, he remains forever. Sorry about those who think you can lose your salvation. I'm not in that camp. I can't see scripture that says that very well at all. But I see a lot more that speaks about Jesus telling us he's going to remain with us forever. If you're a child of God, you're his forever. Okay? He will never depart from you. He will not depart from that person unlike he did under the old covenant. And this amazing truth of the new covenant Holy Spirit was prophesied by the old covenant Isaiah. And if you're taking notes, I'm not going to read this, but if you're taking notes, write this down. Isaiah 59 verse 21. And even there you'll see Isaiah prophesying about these things that would happen by the Holy Spirit in the, under the new covenant. Isaiah 59 21. Jot that one down, have a look at it later. And the Lord Jesus made it all possible it was him who made it possible for you and me without him you and I'd still be dead in our sin if we'd even be here today he made it possible only he made it possible note again his words in in John 14 16 and verse 17 and I will ask the father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you for how long sorry to be with you for say it again come on Thank you, yeah, to be with you forever. <laughs> forever. He's a forever God. And we're going to live in a forever kingdom. And if you belong to him, you're a forever child right now. What a glorious thing he's done for us. He's the counsellor. He's the comforter. He's the helper. He's the advocate. The Holy Spirit, as you recall from last week, He's not different. He's no different. He's exactly the same as, the, as God the Father, as God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the three in one God. You can't get your head around it. We call them the triune God. He's the Trinity. Three in one. And see, that's why the Lord Jesus was able to give that reassuring but also equipping promise to his people saying to them just before he ascended in Matthew 28 in that last part of verse 20 I want you to note his words 
Matthew 28 verse 20, last part of that verse, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is the I am God, three in one. He didn't say the Holy Spirit will be with you. It's I am with you. It's all, it's the Trinity, if you get that. Surely I am with you always. I will send you the Holy Spirit who will be with you forever. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I I love the amplified version in this. I want you to get this, the way that the amplified unpacks this and amplifies the actual script the original script, Matthew 28, 20, under the, uh, with the Amplified Bible, it says this, And behold, I am with you all the days, perpetually, consistently, on every occasion, to the very close and consummation of the age. And I, 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 I'm glad that says that, because when I've shared this verse with people, the Lord says, I am with you always. That means he's with you wherever you go, whatever you do, in every circumstance, in every situation, Jesus is with you. Do you get that? There's not a place you can go where he's not there with you, in it, seeing you through it, holding your hand embracing you this is the God that we have this is what he does in the person and power of the Holy Spirit and we need to bless him for that but see not only is he with us in the person of the Holy Spirit um, but also under the new covenant he indwells the life of his people unlike the old covenant he never indwelt anybody even though the scripture says they came within it's not like this Under the new covenant, John 14 again, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. I think we got that one. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. No, it can't because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him and he's talking about you as his child. You know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He is in you. The Trinity lives within you. Can you get your head around that? I hope you can, I can't. But there it is. Under the old covenant, God's presence was in a temple of stone. But now he dwells in temples of human hearts. Isn't that amazing? Hearts of his people. And we become his temple your body becomes the temple of the holy spirit as paul teaches us in 1 corinthians 6 19 to 20 when he says this do you not know that your bodies are temples of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have received from god you are not your own you're bought at a price therefore glorify or honor god with your bodies Can you see in that scripture, or can you also see in that scripture, the Holy Spirit challenge of this scripture to the worldly attitude of, this is my body, I have the right to do with it as I want, what I want, when I want. It's my body, I have the right to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I just say, well, really? I mean, do you really have that right? Let's move on. 
in John chapter 16 verses 8 to 11 that was read to us this morning the Lord Jesus is speaking of the convicting work of the Holy Spirit and he mentions a threefold indictment against the world by the Holy Spirit and he does this I believe through his people through his church firstly we speak he speaks about sin sin this is the the sin of unbelief verse 9 the sin of unbelief condemns the human soul I mean that's pretty serious stuff we know John 3 16 but what about 3 17 and 18 look at John 3 18 it says this whoever believes in him is not condemned whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son so there it is and the Bible says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world you see why because we're already in that state we are under condemnation because of our unbelief but he came into the world to save us from our unbelief but those who refuse to believe on the Lord Jesus remain in that sin they remain under that condemnation and you know it's only by the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life can we turn from unbelief to belief in Jesus Christ it's a work of the Spirit we can't do that on our own the second one was so he convicts the world of sin righteousness and judgment they're the three the next one righteousness because why righteousness well because the Jews standard of righteousness was so twisted and so warped I mean they accused Jesus of being sinful they accused him of being wrong they accused him of being a blasphemer and other things that was their so-called righteousness how twisted it was but Jesus was vindicated if he needed to be he was vindicated by the father when he was raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the throne of God to the father God and the Holy Spirit through his people will and he does convict the world of its false standards of righteousness see that's the light shining in the darkness and and let's be honest um, this is another reason why the church in its true light if it's truly a church that belongs to Jesus Christ if you're doing that then you're going to be hated by the world and it's because as, as it says in John in, in John 3 19 why are we hated well because people prefer darkness than the light but be bold in your witnessing people God puts you in a place where you have an opportunity to share your love then do it share the, the light of Christ share the word of hope then you do it because they're in darkness if they don't know the Lord you're there to convince people by the power of the spirit in you you can't do it yourself but the spirit of God does that through you and this is what he does sin righteousness judgment judgment the third indictment that that Jesus spoke about um, he speaks about the prince of the world Jesus this is what Jesus called Satan uh, who is judged who is condemned because of Calvary's cross 
Praise God for that. Jesus said in John chapter 12, 31 to 33, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now is the prince of this world driven out, will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men, all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death uh, that he was going to die. I like what Warren Resby says. He kind of summarises these kinds of things about sin, righteousness and judgment. He says the spirit uses witnessing Christians. This is what we need to keep keep in mind, folks. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer and you love Jesus, you are. And the spirit in you uses witnessing Christians and the word of God to convince the unbeliever of his sin, uh, of the sin of unbelief, um, of the need for righteousness, uh, of the fact that since they belong to Satan, uh, that, um, he's on the, that you're on the losing side. I don't know how you say that to a person. You're following Satan, well, you're following a loser. You know, get on the winning side. Let the Spirit of God use you for whatever words he puts in your mouth to get that message across. Whereas he goes on and he says, there is no salvation without spirit-led conviction. For the Spirit uses the word to convince lost souls. So important. Be bold in your witnessing. Don't be arrogant. I'm not saying that. Be gentle. Love the person. Let the Spirit of God use you as you are. In your personality, in your context, that's what he does. And we're all different. But let the Spirit do it. Don't you try and convince it because it won't work. Let God's Spirit be at work. Lord, fill me with your Spirit to speak to this person today. Let him do it. Um, look, if you could summarise, I'm going to bring this to a close. If you could summarise in just a few words, one main work. You know, he does a lot of things and we've, we've really cut it right down. I know that. Maybe that's a study we do later on. But... You know, if you could summarise in 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 just a few words, one main thing that the Holy Spirit does and wants to do in a human life, what do you think that might be? One thing, one main thing that he does. And while you're thinking about that, in the last few chapters of J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, he says this, what were we made for? This is J.I. Packer in his book. What were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. The Lord Jesus, in his priestly prayer, confirms this amazing and very precious truth. Listen to what Jesus says in this prayer. In John 17, verse 3, he says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. There it is. God wants us to know him. And you can't do that without the Holy Spirit in you, working in you. Packer also goes on, he says this, one can know a great deal about God without much knowledge of him. So what's he really mean? Well, you and I know that there are millions of people all over the world who may know a lot about God. Some are brilliant intellectually about their knowledge of God. But sadly, they've never met him or know him. 
And I want you to listen to this. As strange as it may sound, they don't know God and God doesn't know them. They don't know God and God doesn't know them. Now you're going, hang on. Isn't God omniscient? Yep. Isn't he the all-knowing God? Yep. But God is also relational. He wants relationship. And God is the God who knocks on the door of your heart. He will never kick the door down. He will never force a relationship. I don't think you can ever force a relationship. But he longs for a relationship. You have a free will. God's given you a free will. You can say yes to God or you can say no. I want to read a very potent verse. This one gets me all the time. One that we need to know about, remember. Matthew 7, 22 to 23. Start reading from 21 if you like, but let me just read these verses. Many, this is Jesus saying this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Uh, did we not uh, in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Wow. Can you imagine hearing those words on that day? On the day of judgment where God says to you, I never knew you. And really, you never knew me. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So how do we fallen human beings created in the image of God come into a relationship with God and to know God? And as I've said before, it is by the work of the Holy Spirit through the redemptive and re rescuing work that Jesus Christ accomplished for you and me on the cross. And speaking of knowing God, the Apostle Paul writing to the Galatian believers, he said this in Galatians 4 verse 6, because you are sons and daughters, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And through Christ, the spirit of God enables you and me, enables us to know God, to have an intimate relationship with God. We will never know God exhaustively, but we will know God relationally and intimately is what he wants. No one will ever know God exhaustively. He's the infinite God. But we will know him relationally. We will know him intimately. When you meet the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive you of your sins. But, the, um, but let me get back to this word Abba. We, I know you've heard it all before, but it's a beautiful word. It's a Hebrew word. It means Papa. Or it means Daddy. And, and who calls their father Daddy? It's those that have a relationship with the father. Papa. And this can only happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. And folks, is it not so precious for us to know, to know God and to be known by God? You know, if you walk away with only one thing, walk away with this. How do you relate to this? How do you relate to this knowing God yourself this morning? You know, if you're not sure that you do know God, you're not sure that he knows you then can I ask you that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right where you're sitting today. Believe on him. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. 
Ask him to make known himself to you. Lord, make yourself known to me. And Lord, help me to know you. And again, this is the work of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And as I close, can I just ask, if you are in that position this morning, if you're not sure that you really have a relationship with God, then please don't leave here until you talk to Pastor Darrell, myself, or someone else here. Um, take, talk, take time, talk with us, please, before you leave here this morning. It is absolutely essential that you get this right. You need to have a relationship with God through your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that, you're condemned. Sorry, I'm, well, I'm not sorry, I'm just telling you straight. You need Jesus. You need a relationship with God. You need to know God. He needs to know you. Amen. Can we pray? Yeah, Lord, thanks so much for your presence with us. Thank you for the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, thank you that he's available for all of us. All we need to do is to open the door of our heart and say, Lord, I just need you. Lord, I am a sinner. I believe that. I, I confess that sin to you. And I'm asking you to come into my life and be saviour. Be the Lord, Father. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. And Father, that's my prayer. Fill us all with the Holy Spirit this morning. As we leave this place, Lord, open the way for us to share this glorious truth, but enrich our lives as well in the wonderful knowledge that you're here among your people. Oh, Lord, you gave such a price. You, you brought the new covenant in with your own blood. What a precious gift. Help us not to deny that. Oh God, no, never deny that. But Lord, to say thank you over and over again for what you've done for us. Bless us, help us to be a blessing as we go from this place today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.